listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. I want to jump in. I'll give you the announcements at the end of the broadcast today because I want to get right to what we are talking about today, which is the way we put it in the title, stop spewing these seven confessions. Stop spewing these seven confessions. Um, that, the reason I put warning is because what we say is so powerful. It makes a change in the natural world, the power of confession. Jesus taught it. The apostles understood it. The early church understood it. Even in the Old Testament, we have teaching on the power of confession. What comes out of your mouth does matter. What comes out of your mouth does matter. Um, Anybody that thinks that that it's just, it doesn't matter. You know, you, you heard the old adage, sticks and stones can break my bones, but names can never hurt me. Well, that's absolutely ridiculous, obviously. I mean, is there anybody watching right now, you could lift a hand in the comments and say, I've actually been hurt before or offended even by something someone said about me. Of course, of course we know that's true. I mean, to to deny that is foolishness. You can have your feelings hurt, you can be offended, you could be impacted by something someone said about you, obviously. And uh, of course, hands are going up in the comments because that's how words work. Uh, But on the flip side of that, you ready for this one? How many of you have been encouraged or strengthened or felt peace from something someone said to you or about you? You heard somebody had a really good report about you. You said, man, they're great at this or, or, or whatever. And you heard that like, wow, that's really encouraging that they, they think I'm really talented in that area. Or maybe they told you personally and said, you know, you're really, you really blessed me when you sang that song or I really enjoyed whatever it is that you did. And you're like, man, You know, that's encouraging to hear that people appreciated what I've been doing. Of course, that's because words carry power. Words carry power. Um, The Bible actually tells us in uh, the book of Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 17, that as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Well, what are the main ways that friends sharpen each other? Conversation fellowship. It's going to be a mainly a verbal thing. And so you, you know it and I know it. Words carry power. God designed us that way. His words carry power. Our words carry power, especially when we're speaking his word. But sadly, when we're contradicting his word as well. And, um, I've been in church a long time, man. And I've heard, (laughs) I've heard some really bad confessions. Well, here's the deal. God wants you to be blessed. He wants to bless you. He wants to bless you more than we want to be blessed. And so the sad thing is sometimes people will actually cancel out their blessings simply by spewing these terrible confessions, terrible confessions. And so morning, Dylan, morning, Heather, I wanted to take this broadcast to go over these seven of these that I've heard, uh, very commonly throughout church and among Christians. I heard it said, I've heard it said a lot and uh, take a minute to share this today because we need to understand that what we're saying, what's coming out of our mouth is making a difference. It's making a difference in our lives. Good morning, Linda. And so I want to deal with these seven today. You can take notes. You can put them in your uh, phone, whatever you want to do, highlight these verses in your Bible, and then let it guide your confession. As you're uh, going toward what God's called you to do, make sure your confession is intact. Make sure you're saying the right things about yourself. You know, one of the things that we finished with yesterday, if you didn't get a chance to go back and watch the broadcast, we talked about uh, things that would keep your faith from working things that would short circuit your faith. The very last one that we dealt with yesterday was what? Feelings of unworthiness. 
feelings of unworthiness. The Bible tells us we're supposed to boldly approach the throne of grace, right? Uh, to find mercy and grace to help in the time of need. So we have to boldly approach the throne. But the thing is, if we've got feelings of unworthiness, which the devil tries hard to make us have those, then we won't boldly approach the throne. Why? Our mindset's wrong. Well, I don't deserve anything from God. I don't deserve anything good from the Lord. Look at the mess that I am. He would never want to bless someone like me. And that's how those feelings of unworthiness trap us and keep us from boldly approaching the throne of grace. And so the first unscriptural confession that I want to deal with today, put it in your notes. Number one, stop saying this. If you've ever said it, don't ever say it again. And that is this number one, I'm a sinner saved by grace. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. That is a terrible way to look at what you are and who you are. That, that is not who you are. You're not a sinner saved by grace. Let's, let's talk about it. You were once a sinner. Yes, that is true. But listen to that confession. I am a sinner saved by grace. How many, I mean, you've all heard this. You've all heard this. It's popular in church. How many know we're just sinners saved by grace? We're just sinners saved by grace. No, we're not. We're not sinners. We've been saved by grace, but watch this now. Once we were saved by grace, saved by faith through grace, by grace through faith, I should say. Yeah. Once that took place, we're no longer a sinner. The Bible says that now we are new creations, new creatures in Christ Jesus. And of course, if you're not familiar with that passage of scripture, uh, it's Paul who wrote that to the church in Corinth. And he said in second Corinthians chapter five and verse number 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, mm, he is watch that now, not he will be in heaven. He will be, no, he is right now. She is right now. What? A new creation. The old life has passed away. Get that now. And behold, the new has come. So to say, this is, you say, well, you're just nitpicking. No, no, no. I'm not nitpicking. This is very specific biblical doctrine that must be in place in your spirit and in your mind. It says, if any man or woman is in Christ, he is, she is a new creature, not will be. So to say, I am a sinner saved by grace is to contradict what the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write to the Corinthians. If any man, any woman is in Christ, he or she is currently right now a new creature, not a sinner saved by grace, a new creature. See, now the reason I, I tied these two together from yesterday to today is when you get these new creation realities functioning in your mind and see who you are in Christ, it will destroy those feelings of unworthiness. If you've ever felt them before, you know, it's terrible to feel like I'm so unworthy of God's blessings. I'm so unworthy of his power. I'm so unworthy of his miracles. And, and, and the devil will get you to think like that. So you don't have expectation. But when you get those new creation realities, the things Paul taught through the epistles, man, it destroys, it literally expels those feelings of unworthiness from your spirit and mind, it, it, it's gone. You can never again think, I'm so unworthy. I made a great point yesterday and the Lord showed it to me. I've not said it this way before, but to say the only, and I had you write it in the comments, the only way you could be unworthy to receive God's blessings is if Jesus is unworthy to receive God's blessing. Hallelujah. Get that. Why? Because you are a member of Jesus Christ's body. Hallelujah. 
say it again. I am a member, put it in the comments. I'm a member of Christ's body. Please put that in the comments today. That will change your life. I am a member of Christ's body. Thank you, Jesus. So the only way I could be unworthy of God's blessings is if Jesus is unworthy of God's blessings. Because if I am part of his body, then he would have to be unworthy. But that's not the case. God made you worthy to receive when he added you to Christ's body. Woo, glory to God. Glory to God. God made you worthy when he added you to Christ's body. When did he add you? Ephesians tells us in the second chapter, though we were dead in trespasses and in sins, he made us alive together with Christ or he raised us up together with Christ. So understand the moment Christ was raised, you were raised. The moment you accepted that sacrifice by grace through faith, guess what? Then you were added to the body of Christ. And from that moment, you are worthy to receive. So the moment we start to say, well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. What you're, what you're truly claiming is that Christ's body is a sinful body. Christ's body is a sinful body. No, it's not a sinful body. And you're part of his body. You're not a sinner. You are a new creation. Now you say, you say, well, does that mean that Christians can't sin? No, Christians can sin. If they couldn't, the apostles wasted a lot of parchment writing back to the churches and encouraging them to stay free from sin. Of course, a Christian can sin, but you're not a sinner. You're not dead in trespasses and sins. You're not filthy. Your, your righteousness is not any longer filthy rags. Like Isaiah said, now God has given you his righteousness. And the Bible says, if we're still in that second Corinthians five, uh, look at verse 21 for our sake, God made Jesus to be sin who knew no sin so that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. We've become the righteousness of God in the past. Our righteousness was like filthy rags, but now we are the righteousness of God in Christ. That's positional. That's positional. You know what that, what does positional mean? I, I once was standing outside my house. Now I'm standing in my house, right? That's a positional, uh, that's positional verbiage. I was outside the house. Now I'm inside the house. If I'm outside the house and it rains, I'm going to get wet. If I'm inside the house and it rains, I'm fine. So notice this. I used to be outside of his body. I used to be outside of his righteousness, but now by grace through faith, I am inside of his body and I am inside of his righteousness. In, in fact, I have become the righteousness of God in Christ. So the, the analogy to make a perfect analogy there or metaphor, it would not be that I'm just coming in the house. It's that I actually become part of the house. That's a whole nother story. It's not that I just walked into the house. It's that I became part of the house. That's what it is with Christ. We didn't just come inside of Christ. We became part of Christ. Woo, glory to God. I'm not just in Christ. I am part of Christ. Paul taught the church in Corinth that you are each one members in particular of the body of Christ. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. I'm not just in him. I'm part of him. And so if that's true, then guess what? I have his righteousness and I'm no longer a sinner saved by grace. Well, what does this uh, unscriptural confession do? It destroys your expectation. It brings guilt. It brings shame. It's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. And so we reject it with everything we have. We reject it with everything we have. I am no longer uh, some sinner saved by grace. I am now what? 
new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away and all things have become new. So that's number one. Number two, here's one that people make, especially when they are praying. Number two, you ready for this? God, if it be thy will, oh God, if it be your will, people still pray like that. Even spirit filled people, God, if it be your will, do you know that there is only one type of prayer in which we should pray? Lord, if it be your will. And that's a confession. People make. well, God, if it be your will, if it be your will, if it be your will, there's only, of course we understand there are many types of prayer, but there's only one type of prayer in which we should pray. If it be your will, you know what that type of prayer is? The prayer of consecration. What's the prayer of consecration? That is saying, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. Not my plans, your plans. What do you want me to do with my life? What, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to say? What do you want me to accomplish? That's where we pray, Lord, what is your will? Whatever your will is, reveal it to me and I'll do it. That's being led by the spirit. But that's the only time. You don't pray this over the promises of God. We don't say, oh Lord, if it be thy will. We don't, we don't pray that when we're praying for the promises of God to be fulfilled. No, no, absolutely not. For example, if we're praying for somebody's healing, do we pray, Lord, if it be thy will, heal them and raise them up? No, no, we know his will on that subject. We know his will. We don't cast a demon out of somebody and say, Lord, if it be your will, just get this demon out of there. No, we know his will on demon possession. You say, oh Lord, I pray if it be your will, just take this depression, anxiety off of their mind. No, no, no. We know his will regarding walking in depression versus joy, anxiety versus peace. We already know his will on that stuff. We don't have to pray if it be your will, his will has been revealed. I'm going to teach you something that'll help you, but first let me read to you 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and uh, verse 20. Listen to this. I'll read you the ESV, then I'll read you from the New Living Translation. For all the promises of God find their yes in him. That's Jesus. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. New living for all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. Will God heal me? Yes. Will God deliver me? Yes. Will God set me free? Yes. Will God give me joy and peace instead of anxiety and depression? Yes. All of the promises are yes and amen. His will on many things has been revealed already. That's the power of the written word of God. If we don't read his word, we'll miss out on his revealed will. If you've never been taught this, this is an excellent thing for you to write down and remember, make a note about it. God's word is his revealed will. Please type that in the comments today. God's word is his revealed will. So vital that we get this. God's word is his revealed will. So if you want to know what the will of God is on an issue, read his word. And again, to tie it back to what I said moments ago, the only thing that you won't find in the written word of God are the specific plans that God has for your life. I can read the Bible cover to cover and I'm not going to find where I should go to college or what I should do as a career or who I should marry or where I should plant myself. I'm not going to find any of those things in the Bible. I'll find principles to guide me in those decisions, but I won't find the exact answers. That's why 
We have to be led by the spirit of God. Amen. And as we're being led by the spirit, what do we do? We pray the prayer of consecration. Lord, whatever your will is, reveal it to me. You know, do, do what you want in my life. Speak to me, guide me. You see, and that prayer of consecration allows us to hear the voice of the spirit and obey his voice and his leading. Everything else can be found revealed in God's written word. So what are we going to stop saying? Number two, we're not going to say, God, if it be your will, God, if it be your will, unless it's regarding leading for our lives. Amen. Again, there are certain parameters you don't have to pray about. Well, Lord, I I really want to marry this guy. Should I marry him? I mean, Lord, I know he's not a Christian, but should I marry him? I mean, he's really handsome. You don't have to pray about that because Paul gave specific instruction. Do not be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. So there are things that parameters. Now we know Christians shouldn't marry unbelievers, but that still doesn't tell us which person we should marry. It just tells us the types of people we shouldn't marry. You see what I mean? So there's parameters in the written word, but the specifics come by the spirit of God. That's why we need prayer. And that's why we need the leading of the Holy Ghost. But we stop saying, Lord, if it be thy will. No, his word is his will. And if we study his word, then we will receive his will. You ready for this one? Terrible. Number three, terrible confession. When somebody asks you how you're doing, don't give the colloquial regional answer that you grew up hearing especially like we're at places where I came from. If you lived in a kind of a rural area, uh, a country place, we, we made up all these things we say to people and it's kind of false humility or whatever it might be. How you doing brother? Well, I'm hanging in there. Stop saying stuff like that. Well, I'm getting by, I'm living. You know, I hate hearing that stuff from Christians mouths. Stop telling people you're hanging in there. Stop telling people these colloquial phrases that we've uh, grown up with that we've just heard so much, right? Not too shabby. Yeah, exactly. It's like, why are we saying things like that when we know the word of God? We know what the Bible says regarding us. Buddy, you'll never hear me saying, I'm hanging in there. Not too shabby. I'm getting by. I'm living. You know, just dumb things we've heard growing up that we just got into our minds and never got rid of it. I'm doing so much better than hanging in there. I'm doing so much better than not too shabby. I'm doing so much better. And what do we do? We say what the Bible says. Now, (laughs) let me tell you something. Even though we say what the Bible says, uh, people don't need a full dissertation every time you answer the question of how you're doing. You know, you've got those people too. I just want to like run out the back door when they start in. It's like, you know, if, if, if someone's leaving church on Sunday morning and they're just kindly saying, you know, hi to you and say, how you doing? You know, what they're looking for is doing great, man. How are you? <laughs> That's what they're looking for. What they're not looking for. Hey, buddy, how you doing? Oh, let me tell you, I'm too blessed to be distressed. I've been under the spout where the glory comes out. I, I mean, like, you know, just a, a full 20 minute ramble on every positive confession that you've ever heard. That's not what they're looking for. But at the same time, your confession should be that you are blessed. And it's not cliche to say that. Amen. It's not cliche to say that. that. How you doing? I'm extremely blessed. Doing very well. That's not cliche. It's what the Bible says about me. It's what the Bible says about you. The Bible says in Matthew 12, 27, by your words, you'll be justified. And by your words, you'll be condemned. By your words, you're justified. By your words, you'll be condemned. So you got to speak the right words. Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it will eat its fruits. You'll eat the fruits of what you say. Oh, brother, the struggle is real. You know how hard we've pushed back against that here at Miracle Word. The struggle is over in Jesus' name. You never see me writing on social media. Y'all pray for me. The struggle's real. Struggle's real out here on the road. (laughs) You're never going to hear me say that. 
I tweeted earlier, uh, this, I think it was last month. I don't care in the rare, in the rare occurrence, very unlikely situation that I ever did have a bad day. You'll never see me writing about it on social media. You'll just keep your faith stretched out for me. Just really been going through it. What are they going to do? Nothing. I've got a connection with a, a covenant redeemer who has every answer that I need. And if there is an attack, if there is something, I, I go to him. I don't go to social media. It's ridiculous. And when somebody, when you're talking about yourself and when you're, well, you know, you just keep me in prayer, brother. I just really been going through it. Speak against it in Jesus name. Speak against it. Don't receive it. Don't let it become your identity. No, I'm blessed. Well, you don't look blessed. I am blessed. I'm more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. I'm an overcomer. Thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through Christ Jesus, our Lord. I'm doing very well. Very well. That's it, Aaron. Add a very in there. Add an extremely in there, Aaron. I'm doing very well. I'm doing extremely well. Doing extremely well. Not struggling. Not hurting. I was in a conference with Carolyn uh, not, not long, a couple years ago as a guest of someone else, just sitting there listening to the preacher. First thing he gets up, how many really going through it? Lift a hand. You got the whole, whole crowd got their hand up. How many are really going through it? Lift both hands. If you're really been struggling, lift up your feet too. You know, we were seated or else we would have been levitating. (laughs) We're sitting down and people got their feet up and their hands up. I'm sitting there looking around like these idiots. Unbelievable. And of course, it wasn't a faith, it wasn't a faith conference. It was these old time Pentecostals that still believe you got to struggle in order to please the Lord. Oh, we're all going through it, brother. Ridiculous. Not me and Karen looking at each other like, I ain't got my hand. I'm not struggling. I'm not going through it. I'm blessed. I'm not in need of a dire miracle. Now, listen, if you are, there's one for you, but you shouldn't be going day to day to day to day and need a miracle to survive every week. Let me just say this. If you need a miracle to survive every month or every week, you're living life wrong. Let me say that again for anybody that may be listening. If you need a miracle to survive every week or every month, you are living the Christian life in the wrong way. We don't live. The Bible doesn't say the just shall live by miracles. It doesn't say the just shall live by miracle working power. It says the just shall live by faith. That's what the Bible says. The just shall live by faith. And there's a maintenance in faith. I can live by faith daily, exercise my faith daily, and I don't need a miracle every Friday to pay the electric bill. I don't need a miracle every month to pay my mortgage. If you're living that way, it's wrong. There's something wrong. Jesus said, my yoke is easy. My burden's light. If you follow Christ, it shouldn't be hard every day to follow him. You can live by faith. And if you live by faith, it's, it's a faith walk that gets brighter and brighter and brighter every day. And the problem is many people are living in a struggle like that. And it's like many people are going through and need a miracle because they make stupid decisions, stupid decisions. They either don't cut off relationships that need to be cut off. They live beyond their means. They're doing unwise things with their time or with their finances and their relationships. And then they suffer the results of poor choices. And then they go, I need a miracle. I need. People need a miracle their whole life because they've never learned how to walk by faith and wisdom. Faith and wisdom will set you up for a path of never ending increase till Jesus comes. Faith and wisdom, faith and wisdom. You don't need a miracle every other week. My God, how many need a breakthrough? How many need a miracle? I don't need a breakthrough in that way. Amen. And if you need one, it's, I'm, not, I'm not saying there's something wrong if there's a time in your life you need a miracle. There's been times in my life I've needed a miracle. But it's not every week. Good Lord. What's going on in your life? What do you live like in the middle of a witch coven? It's like move or cast the devil out of them. What are you doing that you need a miracle every single week? And so understand that your, your confession makes a difference. Your confession makes a difference. I'm not hanging in there. I'm not barely getting by. I'm not scraping the bottom of the barrel. No, I'm blessed. I am highly favored. I do have God's hand upon my life. His promotion is on me. It's on you. We do have the victory. We are more than conquerors. 
We can't lose. We've already won. Say stuff like that. Say stuff like that. Stay in faith. Amen. Take your eyes off the world. Put your eyes on the word. Glory to God. So we don't, we, we, we check our confession about how we're doing. How's our life going? Check it. Amen. Check it. That's right, Aaron. This year will be far better than the last. Every year that you live will be far better than the last. Here's another one. People pray. It's a confession. that's like ridiculous. Oh Lord, just give me the strength to endure what I'm going through. Give me the strength to, and people pray these types of prayers. And so if you're looking for number four, it's give, Lord, give me strength to endure. Lord, give me strength to endure. So people pray these prayers regarding things that God's redemption's already freed you from. That's the other one. We did, we dealt with if it be your will, but here's the other one. Give me strength to endure. So rather than getting free from an attack of the devil, people are misguided, especially today, especially today, you got Pentecostal people teaching. I was listening to this, a lady preach. She, she literally said this on a very well-known platform, talking about a church, heard it around the world, was online. It was, it was live. And she preached sometimes God will, if God has to put cancer on you to take you around the world and give your testimony. Listen, if you think like that, you are so dumb that I can barely believe you can breathe on your own. If that's, if that's your theology and this, this woman was, was seasoned. She's been around for a while. That is literally so dumb. I'm surprised she can breathe without help. She should not stand in any pulpit and preach that like literally foolish. Now you're painting God as the God who puts cancer on people to open doors for them around the world and give their testimony. You are so dumb. I'm amazed you can breathe on your own. Amazed. Like that's like caveman dumb. That's like eyes too close together on your face dumb. That's like the child of two cousins dumb. And that's where she was at in this big platform, speaking that absolute foolishness. I'd use the Paul, the word Paul used really in the original language if, if it didn't offend too many people. But that, that's bull crap. And people p- preach like that. God, just give me the strength to endure it. How about this? If you've got the same faith that God can give you strength to endure it, how about use the same faith to believe God can deliver you from it? It's because their doctrine's wrong. They've been taught the wrong way for their whole life. Sometimes the Lord will put sickness on your brother to teach you a lesson. Sometimes the Lord will put sickness on you to to strengthen you, get you to depend more fully upon him. Bull crap. Show me that in the Bible. Where did God put sickness on somebody to teach them to depend more fully on him? Well, look at Paul, brother. The Bible doesn't say Paul dealt with sickness. Paul said what his thorn in the flesh was. It was a buffeting spirit. It wasn't eyesight problems. Whoever taught that's a moron. Well, you know, Paul wrote in big letters at the end of his uh, letter, and it probably means he had bad eyesight. That's, that's called an assumption from a dummy. Bible doesn't say Paul had physical problems, and that's why he was... No, it says that his buff, it was a buffeting spirit that was his thorn in the flesh, not physical sickness. God doesn't put people through sickness to teach them a lesson. Talking about his Christians, his, his, his children. Why would he send Jesus to redeem you of sickness and disease and then put you through it anyway? God's not double-minded, and we dealt with double-mindedness yesterday. God's not double-minded. And so this whole, it's like, you know, somebody got up in the midst of the pandemic. We need to fast and pray that a vaccine will be released. Well, let's just take a step back. If you've got enough faith to fast and pray that a vaccine will be released, wouldn't it just make sense that you've got enough faith to believe that God could heal you of the coronavirus? I mean, does that not make sense to anyone else? It takes the same amount of faith to fast and pray for healing. God didn't put it on Job. Read your Bible. 
God didn't put sickness on Job. The Bible says it's the devil. God said everything he has is in your hands, Satan. The hedge of protection had been removed. And at the end, Job is rebuked even for his poor confessions. And he says out of his own mouth in his writings, I spoke of things I had no idea about. God doesn't do that. If you have enough faith to believe that a shot can be developed, don't you have enough same faith to believe you can be healed? It's like people blow my mind with the insanity. Insanity. And so don't pray that, Lord, just give me the strength to endure it. Just give me the strength to endure it. People, it's like, it's like wisdom's gone out the window. That's poor teaching. I blame pastors. I don't blame the people in the churches. I blame, I blame the pastors that have never cracked their Bible open, just preaching what they've heard from others in their entire life. God's not a child abuser. That just, that, that sums it all up in one sentence. If you want to put that in the comments, it'll help you for the rest of your life. God is not a child abuser. Amen, Yanil. That's a powerful testimony. Powerful testimony. God allows what you allow, Maxie. God allows what you allow. And so catch that. God's not a child abuser. Number five. You ready this? This, this is something people say all the time. Brother, you know, I know I'm going through it. Here's another bad one. The Lord's just testing me right now. He's just testing me right now. I'm going to read you something. Because the, we're talking about evil situations. Your child is living in sin, turned their back on you, or your wife left you, or, you know, you're going, attack came against your life or whatever. God's just testing me right now, brother. I, I know God's just got me in a test right now. Let me read you something. Number five is, the Lord is testing me with this. And then in parentheses, evil. The Lord is testing me with this, parentheses, evil. That's number five. James chapter one, verse 12 through 17, verses 12 through 17. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, get this, I am being tempted by God. Woo. There it is just in one verse, James 1 13. Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God for God cannot be tempted with evil. And he himself, he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he's lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it's conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Look at verse 17. For every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. What does that mean? He doesn't change his mind about how he feel about, feels about you. If he loved you yesterday, he loves you today. Notice God doesn't change his mind. There's no variation in his will. There's no variation in his plan. He's the same. Oh, brother, the Lord's just testing me right now. No, the Bible says God doesn't tempt or test any man with evil. Don't, he said, verse 13 is the key. Don't let anyone say when he's tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil and he himself tempts no one. Don't, don't put, don't blame God for what the devil tried to do. Don't blame God for what the devil tried to do. Good morning in Iowa, Lori Dean. Good to have you on today. Hallelujah. So the Lord's testing me with this. Don't say that's James chapter one, Christina, chapter one, verse 13. And I read verses 12 through 17. James 1, 12 through 17. Here's one, false humility. You ready? Number six. Well, I couldn't accept that, but thank you. Oh, let me deal with that real quick. These last two are going to blow your mind. Oh, I couldn't accept that, but thank you. 
oh, thank you. I couldn't accept that. Let me get this in your, in your spirit. When you act like that, how many have ever had that happen? Where, where so, you, you've tried to give somebody something or buy them something or whatever. God bless you, Roy. And they say, oh, thank you, brother. I couldn't accept that. How many have ever heard that before? Somebody cannot accept, quote unquote, what you want to give them, bless them with, buy them. Oh, thank you, brother. I couldn't accept that. Don't ever be that person. Don't ever be that person. Number six, don't say, I couldn't accept that. Thank you. Don't ever say that. Because see, here's the thing. If you are a giver, you've got harvests coming back to you. You've got harvests coming back to you. Hallelujah. You've got harvests coming back to you. How do you think those harvests are going to come? Jess said, I've done it. God dealt with me last year. It's pride. I'll take anything. That's exactly right, Jess. That's, it is false humility. Don't say, I couldn't accept that, but thank you. It is. And, and, and people, many times we were raised that way. Well, you don't accept those kinds of things. For people. You don't accept large gifts. You don't accept. And people teach that kind of stuff. It's like, what do you mean I don't accept large gifts? I've been sowing large seeds. <laughs> I've been sowing large seeds. You better believe I'm going to accept large gifts. I got them coming to me. I've got them coming to me. Michelle, a lady named Michelle got on yesterday. She said she's so tired of ministries like mine that are so money-centered. Well, if she thought what I was saying yesterday was, was too much, then she's going to really hate this next phrase. Because we need to declare and confess. If we're sowers, money is always coming to me. In fact, put it in the comments. If you're a giver, now don't put it in the comments if you don't tithe and give. Don't put it in the comments if you don't tithe and give. And by the way, I'm going to be addressing uh, Creflo Dollar's comments on tithing this week on the broadcast. I'm gonna, if you don't know about that, you'll know about it by the time we're done. Making foolish comments from his pulpit uh, regarding tithing. And we're going to deal with it this week on the broadcast. But I want you to put it in the comments. Money is always coming to me. Money is always coming to me. Don't, don't put it in if you're not a tither and a giver. But if you are a tither and a giver, put it in. Money is always coming to me. Money is always coming to me. Cameron makes a good point. He said, what about the passage with Abraham where he would not take the king's uh, gift? Uh, he would not allow, in that situation in the book of Genesis, he would not allow that evil king to give him money. Notice the reason. Because, lest you say to others, I'm the one that made Abraham rich. Abraham was making a point to let everyone know my riches, my wealth, my blessing comes from God alone. And he's setting a precedent as the father of faith. Money's always coming to me. Well, brother, I don't think Christians should talk like that. I don't think Christians should talk. I don't think Christians should be talking about money. Meanwhile, you got Christians that are getting divorces because they can't handle their finances. You got Christians, the, the average Christian's in debt. The average Christian, if they had uh, and this is the average American, which means it's the average Christian too. If the average American had a, 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 a an emergency financially of $500 or more, 90 some percent of them could not deal with that emergency without putting it on a credit card. That's 90 some percent of Americans, which means it's a ton of Christians. If they had a $500 emergency outside their normal budget, they would not be able to deal with it without a credit card. That shows you money needs to be taught. Money needs to be preached. Fr scriptural principles on finance need to be taught. And nobody should be embarrassed to talk about the financial blessing of God. But Maxie, let me tell you, it, it's time to start receiving. It's time to start receiving because God wants to bless you. <laughs> I know. Can you imagine? Scroll that up to Alex. Alex said we should start setting up an automatic email system to send a letter to every person that gives to Miracle Word. Thank you for your donation, but we couldn't accept that gift. Can you imagine? Foolishness. You've got seed out. You've got seed out, which means you've got harvest coming back. Well, how do you think the harvest is going to come? How's the harvest going to come? Well, let's look at Luke 6:38. You know this verse. You know it. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Hallelujah. 
People, I've actually heard people say, well, you can't use Luke 638 as a, a scripture about giving money because the verse right before is talking about uh, dealing out judgment and condemnation. Okay. Well, so when it, when you read that, it says, it'll be good measure, pressed down, shaken together, whatever, it'll be put into your lap. Well, people are going to put judgment into your lap. Condemnation, they're going to just put it in your lap. As the Amplified said, you'll use your robe like a, a money bag. That, that's what they're doing. No, you read the whole passage from love your enemies in verse 27. Do good to those. Do good to those. Give to everyone who begs for you. It's talking about, it's talking about how you should conduct yourself. It's absolutely a giving verse. And the Bible says here, people are going to be, are going to be sent. Anytime I say people like that, I think of Michael Scott. People. It's the people. It's about the people. <laughs> Michael Scott. People. Um, <laughs> It's coming through people, <laughs> people. <laughs> How do you think? You think God's going to just open heaven and rain down counterfeit money on you? It's coming from people. People are going to show up and bless you. Amen. I can't outgive God. I'm telling you, I can't outgive God. Money's coming to you. It's coming to me. I was putting on, <laughs> this is crazy, man. I was in Louisiana, Pastor Mark, and I went to get dressed for the night service. And <laughs> no lie, I put on a, a sport coat that I had in the closet and I heard like a crinkle in my pocket. I pulled out of my breast pocket inside the jacket. I'm like, what the heck is this? And I look at it, it's just like a white, nondescript white envelope. I'm like, what is this? I reach inside and there's just like a wad of cash in there. <laughs> no, I have no idea. How I got in my sport coat. That'd been in my suitcase. And I'm looking, I pull it out, I start counting it. Thousand dollars. I just found a thousand dollars in my sport coat. I'm like, what the heck is this? So I you know how I believe. I believe God gives seed to the sower. He gives seed to the sower. So I thought, you know what? If I'm finding money in my clothes, God must be giving me seed to sow. So when I got to the service that night, I walked up to Pastor Mark, put it in his hand. I said, You got a seed for you. God bless you. Well, I mean, literally less than a week passed from that. Notice this. God gives seed to the sower. Less than a week passed. I'm getting ready to preach somewhere. And I'm just sitting in my Bible. And somebody comes in. Hey, somebody in the congregation said to give you this. I look at it. It's another white envelope. I pull it open. $1,000 cash sitting there. You can't. You know, you can try to give yourself broke. But you can't give yourself broke. The more you sow, the more it comes back. Money's coming to me. It's coming to you. Money's coming to me. It's, I, and it ain't their tithe. It wasn't their offering. That was a seed of honor. They said, somebody in the, somebody in the congregation just said, this is for you. It's, it's for you. It's a seed of honor. Open it up. It's an offer with another $1,000. Like you can't outgive God and you can't give yourself broke. Don't ever say, well, I could. You, can you imagine how stupid I'd be knowing how much seed I've got out in the ground? You know, so, you know, Oh, please take this back to them. Please, please take this back to the person in the congregation. Just tell them I could thank you, but I couldn't accept that. I'm absolutely going to accept it. You know why? I got tons of seed in the ground. Tons. And that means I got harvest coming. You got harvest coming. You've got, just say it again. I've got harvests coming. Put it in the comments. I've got harvests coming. I got blessings coming. Money is coming to me. If that, listen, if that makes people mad, they need to find another preacher to listen to because I'll never be ashamed of the fact that the victory tribes got money coming to them. You've got money coming to you. Big money. There you agree. You're greedy, brother. I don't love money, but you got to have money to do anything God's called you to do. You have harvest coming. You got money coming to you. Glory to God. You've got money coming to you. I know that angers people. <laughs> Well, let me tell you, those people, when, when their mortgage company calls because they haven't paid their bill, they should just say, I don't really believe in money. <laughs> I don't really believe in money. You got to have money to do what God's called you to do. You have to. You're not going to go anywhere without the finances to do it. You're not going to see anything change without the finances to facilitate it. You got money coming. You're a tither, you're a giver, you got blessings coming. People are coming to bless you. You ought to wake up in the morning and say, people are coming today to bless me in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. You're sending people to bless me. 
Thank you, Lord. You're sending people to bless me. Thank you, Lord. You're sending people to bless me. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. You're sending people to bless me. And finally, the seventh thing I want to say to you is this. Stop saying favor ain't fair. Stop saying that. There's only one favor in history that wasn't fair, and that was God sending Jesus. Favor is totally fair. Favors based upon what you do in dedication. It's absolutely fair. Now, I understand some people might be saying it in the context of, uh, from the perspective of others, well, he saw me get blessed like that and he's been at the job longer and he's got more seniority. It may not be fair, but favor, well, I get that. From the other person's perspective, your favor might not be fair, but from your perspective, it's totally fair. The Bible says that God honors people's diligence and their dedication and their faithfulness. Stop saying favor ain't fair. Favor's fair. God, it's a trade-off with God. People don't get that. It's a trade-off with God. The Bible says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he that comes to God must believe that he exists and that he's a rewarder, that's his favor, of, thing, of, of those that what? Diligently seek him. Notice he's not a rewarder of everybody. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So what's God saying? Seek me diligently, I'll reward you. That's favor for your dedicated action. That's called a trade-off. That's a covenant. Favor is fair. The Bible says he resists the proud. But what does he do? Gives more grace. That's favor. Same word. Charis, where we get charisma. More grace, more favor to who? The humble. So what does he say? Humble yourself, walk in humility, I'll favor you. Walk in humility, I'll favor you. Hallelujah. Walk in humility, I'll favor you. Live holy, I'll favor you. He'll not withhold any good thing from those that walk uprightly. So what's he saying? Walk circumspectly, I'll reward you. I'll show you my favor. Let me show you a verse before we pray that blows people's minds. John 14, 21. Listen to the verbiage. By the way, this is Jesus speaking. John 14 and verse 21. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them. That's obedience. Get that? Obedience. He it is who loves me. So what is Jesus saying? The only people that love me are those who keep my commandments. Go on further. And he who loves me, we could interchange there, he who obeys me, will be loved by my father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. So here's a question for you. Who are the manifestations of Christ reserved for or for whom? If Tanya's watching, Tanya Mullen. Let me rephrase. She's a teacher. For whom are the manifestations of Christ reserved? For whom are the manifestations of Christ reserved? Those who obey his word. Notice, it's again a trade-off. You do your part. God said, I'll do my part. My favor will be dispatched to you because of what you did in diligence and dedication. Woo, glory to God. I mean, this ain't a New Testament principle. Let me give you two from the Old Testament. Just let me give you two from the Old Testament, just to show you what I'm talking about. Deuteronomy 28, one, one verse. Deuteronomy 28, one. Deuteronomy 28, one. Listen to this. And if you faithfully obey, dedication, the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do, all his commandments that I command you today. The Lord your God will set you on high above the nations of the earth. Listen to what was said to the nation of Israel. To the level that you obey is the level that God will raise you above nations of the earth. Your obedience is what brings that kind of blessing. Okay, let me give you one more Malachi. Malachi chapter three, listen to this. Malachi chapter three, verse 16. Then... Those who feared the Lord spoke with one another and the Lord paid attention and heard them. And a book of remembrance was written before him of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, in the day when I make up my treasured possession and I will spare them 
as a man spares his own son who serves him. Then once more, you'll see a distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not serve him. Don't tell me that favor's not fair. It's fair. God said, if you'll do this, I'll do this. If you'll do this, I'll do this. It's fair. It's a trade-off. That was uh, Malachi chapter 3, verses 16, 17, 18, and I believe 19. No, 18. Malachi 3, 16 through 18. Hallelujah. Don't say, when, when favor comes on your life, it's, the, it's favor that God said, you deserve this now because you did what I told you to do. Here's the prerequisites. Obey me, live holy, be humble. And then I'll give you more favor. I'll give you more favor. I'll give you more favor. Better is one day in his courts than a thousand days anywhere else. Why? Because the Lord, my God is a sun and shield and he bestows favor and honor. That's what the Psalmist was saying, right? If we're reading Psalm 84 verses 10 and verse 11, why does he say in verse 10, Better is one day in your courts than a thousand anywhere else. I would rather dwell in the house of, I'd be, rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord my God, he fi- follows it up in verse 11, tells us exactly why he's saying that. For the Lord my God is a sun and a shield and he bestows favor and honor and he will not withhold any good thing from those that walk uprightly. Glory to God. That's Psalm 84 verses 10 and 11. That tells you why. Because when you do your part, God does his part. Favor is fair. God set it up to be fair. What would be unfair, let me just, if we're going to truly go on to the favor ain't fair thing. What would truly be unfair is if we didn't live righteous, if we didn't live holy, if we were arrogant instead of humble. If we did all the wrong things and then God said, you know what? You're not living the way I told you to, but I'm going to go ahead and bless you anyway. That's unfair. It would be unfair to, to, for the wicked to live their whole lives in wickedness and never receive Jesus. And we live in accordance to the word and be saved our whole lives. And then everyone go to heaven at the end. That would be unfair. Because then what's the point of living holy? What's the point of accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior? What's the point of being humble instead of arrogant? If there's no reward, you could have just done anything I wanted my whole life. See, it is fair. God said, here's the prerequisite. You do this, I'll do this. So don't say favor is not fair. Hallelujah. It's fair. We, we have to, we have to guard. We have to guard people coming on at the end, at the end of the project. And we got one through seven. <laughs> just spent an hour, Michael. Um, <laughs> He's looking for the cliff's notes of the broadcast. Um, you got you to watch how we're speaking. You got to watch how we're talking, especially as we come into the final half of this year. What are we believing? Manifestations are coming to pass. They're coming to pass. Divine possession. That's our confession for this year of 2022. We'll have what we've never had. We'll go where we've never gone. We'll do what we've never done in Jesus' name. We'll have what we've never had. We'll do what we've never done. We'll go where we've never gone. Father, I pray in Jesus' name. Put like, like Lynn Ann said earlier, Lord, I pray that you would put a check in every one of our spirits. The moment, if something comes out of our mouth that is unscriptural, something that is not of faith, something that contradicts your word, put a check in our spirit, put a check in our spirit in Jesus name. Guard us. Like, like the psalmist said, Lord, let put a watch at our mouth, put a watch at our mouth. Don't let us say things that are contradictory to your word. Let us say things that please you. Let us say things that line up with your word. Let us agree with your word and let us stay in faith in Jesus' name. We keep our eyes on your word and not on the world. We'll not have shortage. We'll not have a diminishing path. We'll not have a a roller coaster life. We don't need a miracle every one week because we're not living by faith and wisdom. But Lord will continue to increase because of our diligence and our faithfulness. Put a watch at our mouth and put a check in our spirit, Lord. Keep us where you want us to be. We thank you and we give you praise. Amen. Listen, I'm going to give you a chance to put some seed in the ground on this Wednesday. 
I want you to put some seed in the ground. Do what the Lord's speaking to you to do. It's time, man. Maybe you've never, listen to me. Maybe you've never taken a step of faith in your sowing that did something that shook your faith, did something that put you in a place of expectation. One thing that my uncle, Pastor Terry Shuttlesworth said, I'll never forget it. He said, if you feel it, the seed, when it goes, then you'll feel it, the harvest, when it comes back. Because we've had people come and say, brother, I just don't think that sowing and reaping works. Oh, it works. It's just that people's seeds have been so small going out that they didn't even notice their harvest when it came back. Get this now. Put something in the ground that is significant, something that means something to you. That's how you move the hand of God, by doing something that activates your faith. Amen. And I'm telling you, I can't outgive God. Every time I try to do larger and larger things, he keeps putting seed in my hand and then giving me a harvest. It never fails. You can't outgive God and you can't give yourself broke. You'll only ever increase. And you've got money coming to you in Jesus' name. You've got harvests coming to you in Jesus' name. Mike just had that powerful testimony they sent in. He and Floriana sent it. They sowed a seed this last Sunday as I was preaching. And it wasn't even what, Mike? A day? Two days? And three times that amount came back into Mike's hand. Mike Frost, wealth magnet. It wasn't even what, two days? And that three times the amount he sowed by faith came back into his hand. I'm telling you, you can't outgive God. It's a scriptural principle. And so on the screen, you can see miracleword.com. We've got PayPal, Venmo, Cash App, hashtag donate, however you'd like to do it. But I would encourage you to go to miracleword.com, click the give page, click the, uh, and you'll see there all the ways you can sow, whether it's Zelle, however you'd like to do it, but do something that takes faith, activate your faith and expect the last six months of this year to bring in mighty harvest by the power of the Holy Ghost. In the month of July, we want to put these in your hand to be a blessing to you. Uh, for those partnering at $85 or more, uh, Brother Hagen's book, How You Can Be Led by the Spirit of God. And then, of course, for those that are sowing at $250 or more, we're including E.W. Kenyon's powerful book on the blood covenant. Open your eyes. You'll see stuff you've never seen about the covenant you have with God. And then finally, for those that are sowing $1,000 or more, we're including the Net Study Bible with 60,000 translators' notes. It's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. Uh, Bonnie said, we sowed big for your dad's camp meeting. Our harvest is coming. It hurt me, but my husband did it. Hallelujah. It's coming big. I remember it was two years ago, Bonnie, I sowed the largest seed I'd ever sown in my life, ever, when he bought that tent. And my wife and I stepped out to do it. And when we got back, the, the, the seed that we sowed came right back into our hands from the Lord. He gives seed to the sower. Dave, I love you, man. Thanks for hanging with us today. Love Dave and Lisa Julson. Mike said, we literally just agreed on the seed, hadn't even sown it yet. And by that afternoon, it came back three times over. Just one afternoon. Went from morning to afternoon. Praise God. That's amazing. I love it. Let me give you a few, uh, as you're giving, let me give you a few announcements. Number one, the summer magazine is getting ready to ship and we want you to be on the list to receive this because uh, these come out free every quarter. It's Miracle Word Quarterly. Uh, it comes out every quarter and it's free. If you want to get it in your home without a dime being spent by you, it's all spent by me. Go to miracleword.com forward slash live. You can sign up. We'll also keep you updated with uh, an email every week that we're sending to you and uh, just keep you updated with what's going on in the ministry, miracles that are happening, testimonies, all the things you need to know. Uh, on top of that, the brand new, I wore it yesterday, Divine Possession shirts are out and in the store. The acid wash shirt, it's, the, it's our confession for the year. On the front, it says Divine Possession. On the back, it says it again, has the scripture, uh, the confession, and then it has the, the graphic. Alex did a great job putting these together and they're available in the store. Uh, for kids, We've got brand new kids shirts as well. Two brand new kids shirts that I love. Uh, we've got like a yellowish cream one with uh, the palm tree on the back and the sun, the scripture. And the other one looks like the spray paint, strong, smart, set apart. Um, these are available right now for your kids in the store. And then we put it together in something that we're calling the Miracle Word Kids Summer Box. 
And uh, we've got all kinds of stuff in here for your kids. Beach ball, water bottles, stickers, candy. Uh, there's all kinds of stuff in there. Uh, in a keepsake box as well. Tote bag for the beach. We've got um, in the box, you get to choose one of the shirts uh, for your kids as well. So um, you get to, you make that choice at, at checkout. So you can get it in the store. Also, the Yeti tumblers are available for the kids, which I love these, man. Uh, got them in three brand new summer colors. You can get them in the store today. Uh, as long as they last, they go very quickly. Um, two things I want to tell you about our student ministry. Number one, uh, we've got a brand new episode that just launched yesterday. Uh, my cousin Preston <clears throat> um, did this episode on how to guard what God gives you. And um, <clears throat> you can get it on all podcast platforms, but follow them on, on Instagram at last gen youth, check out everything they're doing there. And they've got Bible studies every Friday now with Alex. He's launching a Bible study and uh, we want you to sign up. It's via Zoom. So there you'll see, you can go to the Instagram and see the Zoom ID and the password to get in and be a part of these Friday morning Bible studies. And it'll help you a ton. It'll help you a ton. Uh, final thing I'll tell you is, we're getting ready and gearing up for the Victory Tribe Homecoming weekend that's coming in October. And uh, if you want to be a part of this and you're a, a partner, Jenna will be contacting you. You'll be able to RSVP. But man, we've got some big announcements for you guys, and I cannot wait to share them. Uh, God's blessing this ministry immensely. So we'll have a Friday night miracle service. And once again, a Saturday brunch slash lunch. Uh, we're going to be in the same locations, same church, same hotel. And uh, we'll be contacting you soon because we need to get people RSVP'd and ready to roll. If you're not a partner now, but you'd like to be, you can still be a part of the Victory Tribe homecoming weekend. So if you, even if you're partnering now, uh, you'll have an opportunity to come and be with us uh, at the homecoming weekend. It's going to be awesome. I love you guys. Today, 2 p.m. Eastern time, Carolyn is going to be back in the studio live with you guys. Do not miss it. She'll be back at 2 and then Friday at 2 as well. I love you. Have a great day. I'll talk to you again in the morning. Later. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.